Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of That So Second Millennium. Uh, my name's Bill Schmidt, and uh, I'm privileged to be uh, co-host, and we're back uh, with uh, uh, Paul Giesing, my good friend and uh, co-host and an expert in uh, science, a particular uh, uh, field of uh, geology, but uh, we're both scholars or not scholars. He's a scholar. I'm the student of of uh, exploring the the connections between science, uh, philosophy, uh, religion, and faith, especially as uh, all of those fields move into the uh, into this uh, third millennium and how we can make sense of all of the changes going on and how we can use them uh, to evangelize and to solve uh, problems and to bring back some sense of conversation and collaboration and interdisciplinary strength in addressing reality. Last week, I was privileged to uh, do an interview with Father Robert Spitzer, who's tackling this in his own uh, wonderful way through the Machis Center. Uh, and uh, Paul was uh, kind to uh, play a large excerpt of my interview with Father Spitzer. But now, Paul, I'm very eager to get back into interviewing you or uh, tapping into your knowledge and your latest thoughts about uh, uh, where we where we stand in that uh, wonderful world of science and and religion and philosophy. Uh, let me uh, welcome you back and. Uh, where do you think we're standing right now in, in our podcast progress? Well, we've had, I mean, we've had, of course, what we've been, you know, the, our last arc over, you know, several weeks was talking about the Society of Catholic Scientists Conference, where we brought up, you know, the topics that the speakers there uh, discussed in the context of the specific issue of, you know, human beings and what we are, what consciousness is, which seems to be clearly relevant to this question of whether there's anything beyond the physical universe, which is implied for faith to be, you know, really of any use to human beings. Um, if we're living in a purely material world, then the only use that religion would have is a sort of utilitarian fairy story that, uh, you know, deceives people and can be used to, you know, which is of course a, a materialist myth of religion. Um, that, that's certainly a, a doctrine that's out there. Um, but, you know, the whole point is, as a matter of fact, the physical world doesn't necessarily back that up. And, and human experience, we're very far from an explanation. You know, we, it, it's, it is not at all clear how we're going to come up with an explanation on purely materialist grounds for the physical universe that we see and human beings as we as we encounter ourselves, um, our mm -hmm. own internal experience, as well as our, uh, you know, obviously our interactions with each other. Yes, so. well, uh, and that whole, uh, the whole uh, problematic nature of our efforts to uh, integrate our uh, human understandings uh, in science and religion, I know that that certainly uh, had Father Spitzer uh, rather concerned about the future of how uh, students, especially uh, high school and college age students, but all Catholics and all people 
are kind of uh, uh, trying uh, to wend their way through uh, the new field of, of knowledge and integrate their understandings of it. Uh, did, did anything uh, strike you in particular from from that? And perhaps you uh, have special uh, uh, knowledge of that, insights on that from your uh, work as a geologist. Um, I mean, in terms of the problems that he's trying to confront, uh, people are abandoning, you know, the practice of religion, and that's part of a huge sociological, you know, issue. In you know, we are we're coping with we're we're in the early days, and things keep happening, you know. So we're we're part of this post twentieth century change in how we interact with each other that, you know, the the advent of media, you know, one elect, one new electronic medium after another, you know, starting with radio, proceeding to TV, that was a huge one, now the internet, and now within the internet, social media, uh, all of these things are really, you know, pulling us, you know, and our attention away from the things that human beings used to do, um, used to feel, used to feel motivated to do, you know, with each other. And so there's so much less time for that. And I mean, so that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is that we found a whole different set of things to be busy doing rather than, I I remember, I've not read the book, but there's a a book with a very, you know, descriptive title, Bowling Alone, right? That, um, you know, people in huge leagues and of course people used to use and of course a few people still do and people people still join golf leagues and things like that but it's 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 just so much less of a phenomenon than it used to be and that's you know i mean religion is going to and especially you know since we've been through this process of secular i mean so many things are so many things are emerging right what what is what the historical impulse behind secularization you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, there's so many of them that we are just scandalized by. We are we are scandalized by the problems in the church, and we have been for centuries. I mean, what is, again, what is the Protestant Reformation? Where did it get its momentum from? From its better theology? I'm sorry, Protestant listeners. I don't think so. Um, I think it was the scandal of the way church hierarchy in particular, you know, was wed, it was welded into the state, bishops were wealthy landowners, people became priests in order to get a safe, secure living, um, yeah. it, was, it was, you know, massively hypocritical, and people rebelled, and went off in different directions out of outrage over that moral failing, um, more so than because they were really convinced by the theology, I would argue. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a historical debate that's, you know, that's out there. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I find it very hard to believe that that wasn't really the major cause. Um, and so, and, and then of course, you know, we, the Protestant churches turn out not to be any less hypocritical, you know, since they're, they're also large nationalistic churches and, you know, you go through things like the, the stripping of the monasteries in England, and so, of course, the church, you know, emerges from that much less powerful, but it's still a powerful institution. It's tied to status. Um, you can still get, you know, a sinecure and, you know, a government position, essentially, 
and and you know people are just as you know it's still masquerading as Christianity. I mean, masquerading is a bit of a, but it's it's still you know a leaven of hypocrisy, you know, thickly kneaded into the body of the church, and people rebel against that. And frankly, right. I mean, I think that what we what we used to, a few decades ago ago called liberalism, and now are you know have returned, cycled around to calling progressivism again. I mean, frankly, I think that's its own sort of it's it's a it's a Christian in a lot of ways. I think it's a Christian impulse that's just been cut loose from the actual historical you know basis of Christianity. We still have this, but we still have this impulse that we want to be nice to people, and we are looking for people who are you know marginalized, and we and we of course sort of have this sort of fatal fatal idea that we can simply uh, that we can simply take care of them. Um, right. that's, of course, and I want to be wary about that because that's my own sort of beliefs about politics and economics, you know, starting to get into it, which I would not want to pollute this too much with that. Um, but that, you know, we, that's what I, th- I really don't see, I don't know of any culture that could have generated progressivism such as we have that didn't start with Christianity, that honestly didn't start with well, we need to love people more, and we we need to be nicer to people, and you know, yeah. and taking that you know fatal but inevitable extra step of whatever they're doing must be just fine. Well, it's probably not, and that's not what Jesus of Nazareth came to say. But once you're once you've once you've concluded that the Bible is just a set of nice stories, um, you can make that yeah. step. You just you can just throw yeah. that away. And I really yeah. think if you look at the history of it, I think that's a major strain. I think that's a major historical sort of momentum behind what's going on, is that we're actually, we are post-Christian in the specific sense that this political movement could not have come about except as a Christian critique of Christianity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so, okay, so, so to bracket that, so that, that's a package. And that, you know, so we have this sense that we're critiquing Christianity and that we're, you know, we're dissatisfied with it. We've got our arms folded. We're peeved at all of these people pretending to care about other people, but they really don't. And we've, and we've, you know, certainly, you know, cast aside nearly all our moorings from what Christianity is historically. Um, and so we've set sail, and we're looking for reasons to confirm ourselves in that decision. That right. makes it very tempting to throw this idea that, well, you know, science is completely opposed to religion anyway, and you know, and and to and to indulge in these fairly facile readings of scripture or religious tradition, and to you know, to use those as your as your sticks to beat, you know, further sticks to beat religion with. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's another motivation. And of course, and then certain sects of Christianity are easy to, you know, ridicule because they do. You know, that was one of these kind of theologically terrible innovations is this idea of sola scriptura, which is logically, I mean, it's it's, it's logically incoherent. Scripture itself doesn't espouse sola scriptura. It's insane. That's right. That's right. I mean. 
just just as much as logical positivism, like Father Spitzer was talking about, is likewise logically inconsistent because it makes the completely unscientific claim that only scientific knowledge is valid. Yeah. On what leg yeah. can either of those possibly stand? No, we don't. We don't dig deep enough to understand those very basic uh, counter uh, counterintuitive uh, basics. Yeah. It's, I believe it was Scott Hahn who was, you know, during his conversion process, um, I believe I've heard a, a, a recording of his where he's talking about this. I think, he, I think he mentions it somewhat frequently. But I think he was in conversation with another Protestant pastor, because that's what he was at that time. And so he's, he's asking, he asked this Protestant pastor, what is the pillar and ground of truth? And, which of course is a loaded question, it's a somewhat, it's a somewhat awkward English expression, um, but the guy's, you know, I, I believe probably frowns at him slightly and says, "Well, it's the Bible," and and Scott Hahn says, "But that's not what the Bible says." The Bible says uh-huh. the church, uh-huh. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is a direct quotation out of one of Paul's letters: "The, the, the church is the pillar of ground of truth." So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, that I mean, that's, and so that's the problem. And so once you, once you have that, then of course you know, then you're in a competition. And that was, you know, and that was, I think, very true in the 16th and 17th centuries. People were in a competition to throw away um, a lot of what was um, realized in the in the 13th century, in the great synthesis of, you know, Aquinas and Bonaventure and Scotus. Um, you know, that that was that was really kind of thrown away, and people got into a competition to literally, you know interpret the Bible with each other, and Catholics were involved in that, I think, as well. Um, right. At that time, and, and, you know, that's... And that, of course, is ironically going on um, just as... I mean, you know, just as. You know, that's, that's kind of a... <laughs> it's easy to look at a history book and say, well, this, this was going on in the 16th century, and then, you know, you just turn the page over to Isaac Newton and Galileo in the 17th century, that's, you know, that's, that's two or three human generations. <laughs> yeah. So that was, so of course it didn't, fortunately it didn't, you know, extinguish the the scholastic impulse and, and late scholasticism for all its warts is the milieu in which Galileo was trained. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was not, you know, whatever its problems, it was not capable or all that really interested. I mean, certainly there were, a lot of the Galileo incident is actually about late Aristotelian subscholasticism, you know, fighting Galileo, you know, and his and his innovations. Um, but nevertheless, it was a pretty weak and feeble fight. Um, did not stop. Did not in any sense, in in any significant sense, stop the progress of science. Um, and in the seventeenth century, you know, not just Newton and Leibniz, but uh, you know, all sorts of other people. You know, we're beginning right, you know, right. the beginnings of different sciences. Um, I mean, you want to say Robert Boyle and chemistry. Um, uh, gosh, how am I how am I spacing on his name? I'm going to have to look at my uh, my book here. Uh-huh. The title of my book. Gosh, that's the, I'm going to have to not only get the book off the shelf, but the, gosh darn it, it is Nicholas Steno. Good gravy. Um, how I could have forgotten that. Um, but Steno was starting geology. I mean, and of course these people had help. Um, that's that's another history book problem. Is you know, it, 
<laughs> these guys and a cast of at least a few dozen other people who were writing about it. Oh, uh, well, that's right. And that's but that's still going on in the later stages of the you know of the the Reformation playing itself out and resulting you know in the late 17th century sort of cold war between Protestantism and Catholicism. That's what the you know Enlightenment was rooted in because of course the, the again the Enlightenment is rooted in basically contempt for this you know Christianity that you know is has become so politicized. And has fought these ruinous wars with itself, you know, in the name of in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who sacrificed himself for others. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, that's completely hypocritical, and it's not surprising. Ultimately, it's not surprising that you know the Voltaires and the Diderots and the um, the Rousseaus and so forth really, you know, basically abandoned Christianity. Yeah, I can. I mean, you know, that's you know. But that 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 was a lot of scandal. I am really grateful that we don't live in the 17th century. For that matter, as I was saying to you earlier, I'm glad we don't live in the 10th century. But that's a little recherche for. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, nothing is new under the sun in that sense. Right. So, um. Anyway, but that's you know. So that's there, there's all this motivation, and there are and there are straw dog. Unfortunately, there are people who willingly give themselves to these sort of straw dog versions of Christianity to say nothing of, I mean, you know, because I'm not, I'm not Muslim and I do not, I've read very little, you know, by Muslims sympathetic to their own faith. I should not mm-hmm. comment any further, but there are probably problems there as well in terms of religious interpretations that do, in fact, rule out what we've found by looking at the world, which is to say science, and, you know, and arguing about it and looking for logical contradictions in our interpretations. Right. And that's, you know, and you don't have to be that kind of religious. You, that's, you know, you can believe in the Christian Bible in a very meaningful, you know, (laughs) extremely meaningful and the only possible ways um, to be an honest human being. And still, you, know, you can still do that. You know, the Bible doesn't rule that out. But if you're in a hurry to say that the Bible is everything, as opposed to looking at it and seeing, you know what? And then there's a big gap. This book is probably not meant to answer this question. It's probably not setting out to this question. That's key. Um, yeah. If you if you take that sort of interpretation that the Bible or the Quran or what have you is the only thing worth knowing. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're in trouble. Um, if you, you you have to give that up to live in the world as it actually is, and that's that's not yeah. simply become clear. Um, but yeah. that's all, that's all you have to admit. You don't have to you don't have to admit that this you know any particular part of it is even wrong. You have to be careful mm-hmm. about it. Um, right. You have to be very careful about interpreting what it actually says, and you have to be humble enough to say. You know, there's something between me and this writer 3,000 years ago that probably I should be careful about saying, oh, there's a contradiction here. I don't believe this. Or this contradicts this crap that you're throwing out there and calling it science, so I'm not going to believe your science either way. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're we're missing the golden mean of uh, appreciating what has come before (laughs) Um, oh yeah, 
Yeah. yeah I don't. Uh, it's hard. Uh, now, and uh, so do your pursuits uh, in science uh, uh, more specifically and in, in geology more specifically, uh, how, how are you seeing all of that play out in your particular discipline? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's fascinating to me, um, you know, my, you know, in my sort of listening, skulking about, you know, reading the debates between people of faith and people, you know, and, and scientists, and, and in particular, scientists who have anointed themselves the uh, enemies of God and this this concept of God, um, yeah. that so much of the battlefield is in biology and evolution. And that, to me, as a geologist, at least, I mean, I have to admit, I'm a geologist, so probably I'm biased, but that seems very strange to me, because the real battlefields are in geology and, to some extent, planetary science. Um, oh. There are there are certainly things in the there are things in the Bible that are you know the, the there are sticky points in related to planetary science, but the sort of really incredible things, the things that are difficult to square with the Bible, are mostly in geology and you know in some in history. But I mean at that point you start to you know <laughs> then there's the question of well do I believe this. 2,500 year old document, or do I believe this 25 year, 100 year old document? And unless you're really sort of, you know, annoyed at the Bible to start with, you sort of shrug and say, well, it could be one way or it could be the other. Um, right. When you're starting to argue about chronologies, I mean, it's 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 the difficulties when our manuscripts of like Kings and Chronicles don't agree. Okay, that's the Bible disagreeing with itself, and that's a problem. Not necessarily a fatal problem because then you you have to take into account, well, these are our manuscripts. And whatever your doctrine of uh, in, you know, scriptural inspiration is, I don't think it extends all the way to every person who's ever translated or transcribed the book. Right. That's another which is another issue for another day. But in terms of things that you know, in terms of things, so if, if you are committed to believing, like I said, not just the Bible, but that the Bible says everything there is worth saying, or the vast majority of what there is worth saying. Then yeah, you're committed to a really short universe, and if you're going to say, well yeah, I mean these were just six days in creation, you just tick them off 24 hours at the surface of the Earth, just like you know we would keep time between you know today and next Thursday. Uh, that's you know yeah, you're you're committed to a, a universe, uh, universe that's about 6,000 years old, and you're committed to a universe that was laid out in really insane crazy detail um all at once <laughs> um, mm -hmm. relatively speaking and you're committed to you know there being basically one really important geological circumstance and that being the flood yeah. you know there's mm -hmm. been one there's been exactly one big important thing happened to the earth since it was created and that was noah's flood if the bible if you're committed to this, you know, aggressive, the Bible tells us everything we basically need to know. Which, yeah. Whether that's your explicit attitude or if you've let that sneak in and be your implicit attitude. Mm-hmm. And that's... Yeah, that so, can't the whole story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and so the whole... And, and you know, so, so evolution, that's... It's bizarre to me that that's the battleground because, you know, that's... 
that deals with, okay, this one chapter of Genesis, or two at the most, um, here at the beginning, and, you know, it's tied in with creation. But you know what? And the, and the other side of it is, of course, you know, sitting here as a geologist, sort of, you know, cocking my eyebrow at these biologists, where do you get your evidence that there's any, that there's been evolution anyway to start with? You get it from hmm. geology, don't you? Because <laughs> you find these problems in rocks. Yeah. That's and you right. depend on geologists to tell you how old the rocks are. That's, yeah, it's, it's a cart before the horse. I mean, it's, I, I think it's symptomatic of the whole, of how baseless, you know, the whole problem really is. I mean, Chesterton has that delightful, devastating line that I just, I, I still, you know, almost a century later don't have any, I can't see what substantial objection you could make to it that he, how did he put it, that, you know, this conflict between science and religion is this, you know, loud and widely advertised quarrel really from Victorian times. Where, you know, blowhard, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, blowhard Protestants, you know, interpreting the Bible with sola scriptura, um, run into extremely arrogant scientists who think they have all the answers. And, you know, from another century distant, the idea that 19th century scientists had all the answers is orders of magnitude more laughable than it was in Chesterton's day. Um, and it was already laughable in Chesterton's day. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. It really belongs. It, it belongs in the dust heap of history back about 1895. That's really where it belongs, and yet we're still fighting it out today because, you know, to, to go to Chesterton's friend Belloc, you know, modern man's, you know, one of modern man's defining features is inability to reason his way all the way to first principles or ultimate consequences. Right. That's we just we just don't have the patience. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and um, it's understandable uh, we don't have the patience. We have so many details to try to, to corral and, and, and take into account, but we just kind of give up. <laughs> yeah. We give up on, and then we just shout at each other, and we get on Facebook and, and write nasty things to each other, or, or just write nasty things about other people so that our friends can all agree with us. That's what we really do. We don't even do so much. You know, we do some trolling, but um, yeah. Sounds like sounds like we've uh, completely lost uh, uh, Newman's um, concept of the ideal of the uh, university, and oh, certainly any rational approach to uh, integrated knowledge uh, and relying on uh, you know the expertise of others, the conversations between disciplines. Yeah. 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 We found it. We found it difficult and not tried. Uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Re religion is uh, about everything, and uh, um, science is about an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's um, it, it's it's aiming for something that uh, it's uh, both are aiming for truth, but um, but they're like they're they're somewhat different functions, somewhat different fields. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the a scientist is saying, okay, you know, I am going to go and the things that are given to me to control and look at and experiment with, I am going to test, you know, and I'm going to, and I'm going to be humble, I better be humble if I'm going to be an actual scientist and say, all right, I'm going to come up with an idea. And if the evidence contradicts my idea, I'm going to have to let it go. 
you right. know, and I may be able to say part of it, but I have to be honest. You know, this this makes it, you know, and whether whether being honest is, boy, this makes it seem unlikely, or this means this actually contradicts it. Like, this literally cannot be true, and my interpretation be true at the same time. And here right. is this. Um, and then there's then there's the question, you know, so what is what is religion? What is faith? Um, you know, ultimately, as a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, you know, we're saying, all right, we've been given something, and you know, I I think we then use a lot of the same skill set as scientists to say, all right, what does it mean? How does it actually work out in my life? Um, and I think that part gets neglected and forgotten. Um, right, very much. And I th- I think that's that that has a tendency to drive people away from religion because we're not actually dealing with things as they are. I mean, <clears throat> that that was the problem of of having a religion that's become an institution that's become part of the political leadership, you know, that that's welded into the power structures. It, it can it can propagate itself, you know, by fiat, so to speak rather than as Christianity had to by actually answering people's needs and actually illustrating that something was going on. Yeah. You know, it's Jesus said, well, if you don't believe me, believe my works, you know, that the yeah. Father given me to do. That, you know, that's, that's what, that's what Christianity is based on. Um, that's that's right. what Christianity is based on. That's right. And appeal to both faith and reason to both the, uh empirical observation and the leap of faith that that observation leads us to. Right. It's it's religion, it's faith because we had to be given it. That's yeah. our that's our understanding as Christians. We had to be given it. Just like we had to be given existence. Yeah. Yeah. So uh maybe talk for a moment more and we'll go into this in uh, future episodes I hope. Um Maybe perhaps give a, give another example from geology about how uh, how all of this has has been uh, a, a matter of personal experience for you. Um, I mean, you know, like I talked about way back at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I, I live my early life with this sort of sense that there is this Bible over here on one track, and then there is this science over here on this other track and never the twain shall meet and it was you know it was really oddly enough dante that uh introduced me to the idea that people had people had bridged that gap before and people probably could bridge it again um and that it was it was a matter of looking at things more more carefully um and not simply being you know fooled by the manner of presentation in some sense um what's fascinating to me you know one one thing that's that's key and fascinating to me that i you know hopefully maybe we can talk about next time uh is that the people who started geology i mean you know again they were they were people born and bred and educated in this thoroughly christian milieu you know that was the intellectual world that they inhabited and you know nicholas Steno, of course is a you know is a catholic priest um, mm-hmm. And a believing one, not a <laughs> not not a one of those sort of 18th century French priests who you know join the clergy as, as a means of getting a secure income, um, and maybe themselves actually being atheists, but you know simply participating in the institution for what they could get out of it. Nicholas Steno was mm-hmm. a believing Catholic. Uh, you know, for that matter, Galileo was a believing Catholic. Um, 
Muslims, so far mm-hmm. as I know, Isaac Newton was a believing Protestant, and, and on and on mm-hmm. down the line. They did not see they did not see fundamental uh, uh, contradictions between what they were doing and their faith. And of course, you know, so they're taking they're taking scripture, and so one of the things from Steno's time on into the 19th century is there all right? So there's scripture and it describes this event, this flood event. Um, so, okay, well, let's, let's take it at, at face value and say it was a global flood. What evidence mm-hmm. are we going to see of it? So that was one of the great first research projects in geology was trying to, was trying to track this down. And in fact, we mm-hmm. have terms today, um, you know, so we have, we have a term today called drift, which we sort of mm-hmm. recognize now as having to do with the ice ages. Um, but for a long time, uh, it was believed that it was it was uh, rock and dirt, uh, you know, sediment materials that had been transported by the flood. And you know, a priori, that's a that's a sensible interpretation. So, right, right. so that that was that was kind of one of the first crises that uh, geology had to weather. Is that you know, as far as seeing a global worldwide flood, which again, I would caution the listener. That depends on your specific interpretation of the specific Hebrew words and your specific manuscript of Genesis, um, which mm-hmm. is getting a little far beyond, you know, my own bailiwick in terms of my ability to comment any further. But I would just say, as a scientist, that's my first worry: was are we actually interpreting these words correctly before we before we get to, to work saying, well, because we didn't find this, we don't believe in the Bible, which certainly people did take that tack. Um, but that but that wasn't found. I mean that 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 evidence for a global flood at a single point in time, you know, measurable in human history, um, you know, only a few thousand years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's true. We didn't find that. Yeah. So that's 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 the sort of story that I'd like to explore. And of course, you know, we can talk more about uh, things like the age of the Earth and why we believe that. You know, of course, Steno lays down the laws of stratigraphy. Um, which of course they weren't his, they're really kind of common sense, and other people had mentioned at least some of them. Um, again, because they're simply common sense. You lay something down, and you lay something down on top of it, the thing on top is younger. Amazing. Um it's still it's still tangled up undergraduates, but uh nevertheless it's not necessarily that in- unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> So, so yeah, we hopefully hopefully over the next say you know couple of months we might uh, we might we might take some time you know maybe maybe just a month maybe a couple of months we'll see how long it takes uh, to sort of explore some of those issues since that's really you know as as I see it that's that's a fundamental and maybe underappreciated battleground of the debate between faith and uh, science. Very good. I like the approach of um, really uh, making. A, a Geology, uh, a, a microcosm in a sense, or more properly, a, 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 a playing field on which all of the thoughts that uh, we've been exchanging and uh, uh, insights of uh, folks like uh, Father Spitzer and, and many others now who are, are trying to help with this uh, pursuit of uh, more integrated knowledge. Uh, geology will prove to be a, a very good uh, playing field to explore. Uh, some of these things in um, in actuality and in the experience of someone who's uh, earned his PhD in the field and uh, and you're doing current work work in that field. So uh, why don't we close off this episode with that promise of uh, future 
Technical Insights and say, uh, listeners, we we hope that you'll uh, tune in next week. We've uh, been privileged and uh, able to uh, to uh, keep producing some uh, new content every week, only because it really just uh, is something we care passionately about. And we hope that as we're exploring this further, you're caring more and more passionately about it because it has such ties to past, present, and future, and to the wholeness of our knowledge base. Which, uh, and we need every bit of knowledge in every bit of uh, every field uh, just to uh, cope with the modern world. All right. Well, listeners, come back next week. And thank you, Paul. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>